You're listening to a Big Finish production. He was the doctor. Even Ben accepted that now. He was such a different man. Yes, younger and lighter in his approach, but it was still him. Can't you tell, Duchess? We're on the coast. Well, a coast anyway. It's England, isn't it? Oh, Ben, you don't think... How are you finally home? Don't know about that, Duchess. I mean, looks something like Cornwall. But, well, I bet lots of planets have coasts like this. And that sea breeze... It don't smell right to me. Oh, you're right. There is something else. Ooh, something chemical. Come on, Doctor. Where are we, then? Where are we? Well, we're in England, yes. Definitely England. I knew it! Ah, yeah, we're, we're a good deal of the time into your future, though, Molly. Uh, sometime in the 23rd century, I think, from the smell. Yeah, what is that, Doctor? Oh, it's just something left over from the invasion, then, uh, Part of the cleanup. Yes. A hundred years later and the earth still hasn't recovered. Just who was it who invaded? What? Oh, the, the, the Daleks. Oh, no. Would you look at that? The Daleks? The Daleks here? On Earth? Oh, that is a beauty. The Doctor wasn't listening to us. He'd been distracted by a butterfly that had landed on a flower by the cliff edge. Be careful, Doctor. We don't want you to go in over the cliff. Uh, don't worry. I will be. And then I was distracted by another new arrival. Oh, hello. Oh, you're beautiful, aren't you? What's this on your collar? Scamp. Well, of course it is. Hello, Scamp. Um, Polly. It's just a dog, Ben. He's very friendly, aren't you, Scamp? I didn't mean the Labrador, Paul. What did you... Oh, oh I see. Crumbs. I think... A brontosaurus. We were standing between the brontosaurus and the cliff edge. It looked like it had been plodding its way across the grass of the cliff tops, but now it had stopped and was staring intently at us. From closer than I would have liked, especially since we were already so close to the cliff edge, it seemed confused. The doctor, on the other hand, was ecstatic. He was talking far faster than I could follow, talking about it definitely being a brontosaurus and not an apatosaurus. He tried to move closer to it to get a better look. Careful, Doctor. That thing looks like it could panic at any moment. I don't want to get trampled on. Or driven off the edge of the cliff. 
Scamp tried to keep the doctor back, but his barking seemed to upset the Brontosaurus. It looked scared of him, the poor thing. For a moment, I thought it was going to charge. And then... What was that? Over there, look! Over there was a group of people in safari outfits emerging from a jeep. The man at the front of the group lowered the whistle and walked slowly towards the Brontosaurus. He raised his hands gently, placating, trying to calm it. It seemed to be working. Well, would you look at that? As the man walked closer, the Brontosaurus stretched out its neck and laid its head on the ground. The man reached it and started to scratch it. Within moments, the Brontosaurus was completely calm, even friendly with him. <laughs> you want your head scratched too, Scamp? Here you are, boy. Oh, Polly. What? There's a ruddy great dinosaur right in front of us and you're more interested in the Black Lab. The man with the whistle was called Danby. He said he was head of security, though he didn't say what of. He asked us who we were, and when the doctor introduced himself, Danby assumed we were a medical team. He wasn't expecting a medical team, but he assumed that his employer had sent for one between incidents. The doctor didn't deny it. He didn't exactly lie. He just said enough to make Danby think he was confirming it. The doctor then said we needed to see the person in charge. Danby said he'd take us up to the castle. First you become the examiner back on Vulcan. Now with this medical team. At least you actually are a doctor. Oh, well, yes, then, I suppose I am. Uh, although... Although? Well, to be honest, my memory isn't what it used to be. I can't actually remember whether I'm a, a doctor of medicine, a doctor of divinity, or a doctor of something else entirely. Still, I'm sure it'll all come back to me in time. Oh, terrific. Let's hope they don't ask you to perform any operations in case you turn them into an autopsy. <coughs> Scamp rode ahead in the jeep with us and Danby, while the Brontosaurus walked ahead, guided by the other security officers. Mr. Danby, this castle we're going to, what's there? Danby explained. Dulston Castle was barely a castle anymore. It had lain empty for a century after the Daleks were driven off, as had the entire county of Dorset. Then, five years ago, the county had been bought by Zoltan Clarkson. It seems Clarkson was some kind of eccentric billionaire. He'd made his fortune selling exotic pets, taking the DNA of wild and rare species and combining them with machines to create domesticated cyborgs. The doctor seemed to understand. Apparently, Clarkson had come to Dorset with something bigger in mind, though. When the doctor asked what, Danby just nodded at the Brontosaurus. Dinosaurs? This Clarkson bloke wants to sell people tame dinosaurs. Clarkson did indeed want to sell people tame dinosaurs. He turned the castle into a research laboratory and brought the rest of the county as an exclusion zone for secrecy's sake. It seems the castle used to be a museum back before the invasion and Clarkson had decided he liked the idea of owning a museum no one else could see. I'm beginning to wonder whether eccentric is a strong enough word. Sounds like your boss is a right nutter. Dampy didn't argue with him. We reached our destination a few miles further along the coast. 
The security officers led the brontosaurus down a path towards the cliffs while Danby parked the jeep. We got out and Danby led us along a different path uphill. And then, there it was, Dulston Castle. Oh, oh stone me. Goodness. The castle itself wasn't all that impressive. It was lovely, yes, but not impressive. It looked too recent to be a proper castle, maybe Victorian. And it was fairly small by castle standards, but around it, encasing it, was a vast structure of glass and steel, clearly new, shining in the sunlight, all gleaming spires and structures. Behind it was the sea, a deep, gorgeous blue under the lighter shade of the sky. A friendly-looking man in a white coat was coming down the path towards us. Hello, Scout. Good work finding our wanderer. Oh, that's my boy. Who's a good boy? Who's a good... Oh, uh, hello. Hello. Uh, Danby says you're a medical team. Uh, glad someone called you. Feel a bit bad that I didn't think to do it myself. Uh, I'm Dr Clarkson, head of research here. Uh, come on in, we'll get our SKP back home and I'll take you to your patient. My brother's calm at the moment, so it's probably all right for me to show you the setup here before you examine him. I have to say, you don't look much like a medical team. Still, Scamp seems to like you. He seems to like everyone. Well, that's true. Isn't it, you big softy? Where is it you're taking us? Uh, to the globe chamber. They're bringing the brontosaurus along the cliff path. The chamber has external doors we can bring it through. Then I can get her back in the globe and she'll be bright as rain. The globe? Ah, yes, uh, of course. It's, uh, well, it, it's easier to show you than explain. Yeah, but... Yeah, uh, as the uh, <coughs> medical team, I'm sure we'd be delighted with any, um, well, uh, mere background information you care to show us. Uh, wouldn't we, Ben, uh, Polly? You know, you're not what I expected of an eccentric billionaire. Ah, well, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm an eccentric scientist. The eccentric billionaire is my twin brother, Zoltan. I'm Dr Andrew Clarkson. Head of Dinosaurs. And yes, I, I got to pick my own job title. Oh, good, they've brought her in already. Soon have you back home, old girl. Andrew had led us through into a large glass chamber at the rear of the castle, overlooking the sea. In fact, a good 20 feet of the room was over the sea itself, the drop down into the water visible through the glass floor. You could look down at the waves as the tide rolled in. The brontosaurus from the cliff top was coming through a pair of huge metal doors, seemingly quite content. The room was full of computer banks and screens, all of them connected by thick cables to a huge stone globe which stood at its centre, right where the concrete floor ended and the glass began. It was about ten feet in diameter, with the outline of seas and continents carved into it. Oh, oh my word, this is fantastic, uh, phenomenal. Uh, uh, what, uh, what exactly is it, may I ask? Oh, gosh, right, uh, sorry. It's just that this lot aren't usually that interested, and Zoltan doesn't like to... Uh... Well, here, it's, it's probably best if I show you. The globe is... Well, I, I think the best way to describe it is quantum-locked. We found it in America, buried before the invasion. As best we can tell, it's an exact model of the Earth in some kind of pocket dimension. It exists in its own time stream, most of the time, hence its stony appearance. 
But if we expend an awful lot of tide-generated electricity to force the time stream to synchronize with ours, then... And for a second, the globe burst into life, burning with color and light. And then, as quickly, it was over. The color was gone, so was the Brontosaurus. And as we can see here on screen four, perhaps, uh, uh, well, this one anyway, our friend the Brontosaurus is back in her proper habitat. And very happy she looks too. Doesn't she, Scamp? It's almost like he knows what you're saying. Of course he does, don't you, Scamp? So what's it for? I mean, if you found it, then it can't have originally been designed to breed dinosaurs. We have no idea. We found it in an abandoned research facility. Even the Habitat Control AI knows nothing of its origins. That's the problem with Bioware. Has to clear out the old memory storage here and there. We thought perhaps they were using it to breed cattle safe from infection during the plagues. It was all set up for life, but there was nothing but vegetation there. Weirdly balanced ecosystem, too. It adapts to anything we introduce. Not that our cyber dinos need to eat, but they can, so we like to let them. The Doctor didn't seem convinced. He seemed worried. Oh, no. No, 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 it wasn't for cattle breeding. I, I don't know what it was for. This, this kind of technology is far too advanced. What, you mean too advanced for this time period? Among other things, yes. Andrew tried to laugh at a joke he obviously didn't get. I tried to change the subject. Um, so how do you actually work on the dinosaurs? And as if it was the most natural thing in the world, he stated... Oh, we shrink down and work on them in situ. We're actually easier to shrink than the materials which make up the dinosaurs. No fiddly metal endoskeletons. One of us stays here in the chamber to keep the globe unlocked so the timelines match up, and they pull us out when we're done. The Habitat AI keeps us in contact while we're in there, and it automatically reverts anything we pull out to full size. So why was the Brontosaurus outside? Uh, a glitch in the system. A freak accident. One in a billion. <laughs> Doctor, did you hear something? Oh, I, I don't think so, Ben. Now, now do pay attention. Uh, Dr. Clarkson may be saying something important, I'll need you and Polly to tell me if he does. But how did it escape from this room? Or, or did it manifest outside? No, it came out in here as normal. It's just that the doors were open because, well, we were looking for the other one. Other one? Oh, look, she's found friends. <laughs> the Brontosaurus did seem happy to be back home. As we watched the screen, a few more Brontosauruses joined her. The Doctor asked just how many types of dinosaurs they had in the globe. All of them, pretty much. And we're working to develop commercial domestic versions of almost everything. Almost everything? We have a T-Rex. He's in isolation on the Alcatraz Island in there. We keep it fed to keep it docile, but we don't work on the T-Rex. Why not? Zoltan shrunk down and accessed the globe to view it as soon as we'd finished. It tried to eat him. So, since he's the billionaire brother, his word is law. I stopped him from putting it down, but the T-Rex is in isolation. That's why its coordinates are marked off on screen four over there, so we don't scoop it out by accident. Scoop it out? I would imagine that you'd need some kind of retrieval scoop to get you back once you've finished working in the globe, and to bring out the dinosaurs when they're ready to be released. Commercially, I mean. That's right. The coordinates are logged by the Habitat AI and displayed on screen four. We keep a couple on display permanently, so we know where they are all the time. 
Is that why there's a note with Unleash the T-Rex written next to these coordinates here? Um, I don't get to tease my brother much now. He's an eccentric billionaire, so I take what I can get. Here, this scoop thing. Could that be how the Brontosaurus got outside? No, no, as I said, it was a freak accident. We couldn't even recreate the circumstances around it if we tried. There is absolutely nothing to worry about. Not again. Not another. What is that thing? It's a Leoplurodon. It's an aquatic carnivore. It looked like a giant walrus with the head of a crocodile. The creature was on the opposite side of the globe to us, thrashing about in confusion. It calmed down, turning to the glass window at the far side of the room. Then it propelled itself forward with its flippers at an unbelievable speed, crashing headfirst into the window. Don't worry. That glass is designed to withstand a charging cyborg rhino. Dr. Clarkson, you know how you said the other dinosaur escaping was a a freak one-off accident? I know, I know. I was just wondering then why this computer screen says Rogue Four has escaped. There was a boat moored on the beach below the castle. We followed Danby and his security team down there as they hurriedly prepared to pursue the escaped creature. Everything was going fine. We were making real progress. But, well, since Zoltan's accident, we've had three escapes. Uh, four escapes, sorry. When Danby's team was ready to leave, the doctor asked if he and Ben could go with them. He wanted to study the dinosaur more closely to see if something in the cybernetics was interfering with the globe systems to cause the escapes. I wasn't happy about being left behind. Can't I come with you and Ben? I think one of us ought to stay here and keep an eye on the castle, don't you, Polly? I suppose so. I I need someone I can trust here to keep an eye on things, let alone why they needed a medical team, and see if you can find out what's actually going on here. And Ben's a sailor, so he'd most likely sulk if he didn't get to go on the boat. All right, Doctor. Splendid. Well, we'll be back before you know it. Try not to let Dr. Clarkson lose any more dinosaurs. I'll try. Cheer up, Duchess. We won't be gone long. The last time we thought that, we ended up travelling through time and space. And we still aren't home. Don't worry, Paul. I'll see you soon. Take care of the Doctor. You know how he gets into trouble. Yeah, don't I just... Andrew and I waved the boat off from the hole in the globe chamber window. Pretty soon, it was around the headland and out of sight. I mean, if you're averse to the idea of staying in the castle with me, Polly, I understand. But, well, scam staying too. Does that make it more bearable? Do you have to be so flippant all the time? I'm sorry, I I didn't... Well, that's no excuse. I should have known. I'm just not good with, well, with people. Zoltan was always the charismatic one. It's why he's the billionaire and I'm the boffin. I'm much more comfortable with animals and robots and, well, robot animals. I wasn't being flippant, though, about Scamp making things more bearable. It's why I keep him around. He keeps me calm with people. All right then, Scamp. You and me, guarding the castle. Danby is leaving a guard, of course. You know, to keep watch on my brother in the infirmary. Oh. Wait. Your brother's in the infirmary? Well, yes. You're the medical team. I thought you'd been briefed. I wish you'd mentioned this before the doctor and Ben had left. 
Why did you let them go with Danby if your brother needs looking at? Your doctor friends seem to know what he was doing. Besides, Zoltan's stable at the moment. He hasn't attacked anyone for nearly a day now, and there's a guard with him at all times. Attacked? After that, Andrew took me to the infirmary to see Zoltan. So I'm not a doctor. Uh, no, I am a doctor. But I'm a biocyberneticist, not a doctor doctor. Anyway, at the moment, he seems to be comatose, apart from... Uh, apart from what? Well, apart from the fact he's watching us. The sunlight streaming through the glass ceiling lit up the man in the bed as if it were a spotlight. Soltan Clarkson was clearly Andrew's twin. He hadn't shaved for days, but otherwise the two looked identical. He lay in the bed, propped up against a pillow, his arms tied to the sides, completely still, except for his eyes. He was watching us. There was a look, something in his gaze that seemed wild, almost predatory. It was unnerving. I could see it unsettled Andrew as well, although the guard who sat by the bed was too engrossed in his book to seem to notice or care. Apart from the watching thing, he's entirely unresponsive. His mental activity is just, well, just odd. I hate having to secure him, but since it's happened, he's alternated between this and screaming and trying to bite people. What happened to him? It was a week ago now. Zoltan was being Zoltan and, well, he was getting impatient, waiting for us to shrink down to work on one of the Uteraptors. Oh, sorry, you don't know what a Uteraptor is. <laughs> Hardly surprising. The Velocis steal all the media exposure, which is really a shame because, well, the Uteraptors are the biggest and nastiest of the raptor family. Six feet tall, 23 yards long, claws, feathers, teeth. The works. Andrew, why is it taking so long? It's a simple enough process. Reduction of matter shouldn't take so long. Returning to full size is instantaneous, so why isn't shrinking? Well, it takes as long as... Sultan, what are you doing? It's just one raptor. I'm bringing it out to us. Bringing it out to us? Are you insane? No, wait, of course I ask you that every day. Do you have no idea how dangerous it is to bring one of those out of the globe? It's just one uteraptor. It's most of the way through domestication anyway. And we'll bring it directly into the secure pen. The secure pen's for emergencies. There's no need to panic, Andrew. There's some kind of surge in the quantum lock field. What have you done? The raptor burst into the main chamber, the secure pen collapsing behind it, and everything went to hell. Zoltan collapsed, the raptor ran away, the doors opened and it got out onto the coast. At least I think it did. All I really remember are teeth and claws and screaming and getting knocked on my backside by a panicking predator. Not the most pleasant of experiences and not one I'm in any hurry to repeat. Since then, the globe's been glitching on an awful week. The small hiccups in transfer, the habitats bleeding into each other, the secure pen refusing to reconfigure, and, well, you know, the dinosaurs escaping. You mean the Brontosaurus and that Leopuli thing? Uh, Leopuridon, yes. And the pterodactyl. What pterodactyl? That pterodactyl. No, don't move. Stay as still as you can. Is it going to attack us? It shouldn't, so long as it doesn't see us as a threat. The guard fired a tranquilizer shot at the pterodactyl. 
He missed. Before he could fire another, it was diving down towards him, screeching like a thing possessed. He dropped his gun as the pterodactyl hit him, knocking him to the floor. The beast flew up again, leaving him unconscious. Andrew and I ran to help. Scamp leapt at the pterodactyl as it swooped again, knocking it away from us. Andrew grabbed the fallen tranquilizer gun and, turning, aimed at the pterodactyl, hovering over the guard and fired just as the winged dinosaur pulled back upwards towards the ceiling. How many shots does that thing have left? Um, two at most. It's going to swoop again. Can we get out of here? I'm not leaving it in here with my brother. Scamp leapt at the pterodactyl as it dived down at us both, knocking it. The two of them fought, Scamp trying to pin the dinosaur down as it tried to get airborne again. I can't get a clear shot. Scamp, here, boy. Scamp hesitated just for a moment, then bounded back to me. The pterodactyl struggled up, getting ready to take off again, and I took my chance with a fire extinguisher from the wall. Thank you. Oh, be quiet. Oh, she's heavier than she looks. We're not going to hurt it, are we? It's all the cybernetic implants. They're built in on a muscular level so she doesn't feel the extra weight. There's a lot of circuitry and hardware in there. You mean she's half robot and, and metal's heavy? Uh, uh, yes, that is what I mean. <laughs> I think she's waking up. Just a few more uh, yards. Uh, We're nearly in the globe chamber. Definitely waking up. We should get this going quickly. What can I do to help? See that dial there? Yes. Good. Now, whatever you do, don't touch it. Is this really the time for jokes? No, it's the time for you to set every other dial on that panel to 14 as quickly as possible when I say now. Well, we didn't have to do this before. I had the Brontosaurus habitat queued up before. Now we have to cycle through to reach the pterodactyl zone. Are you an epileptic? I don't think so. Good, because the globe's going to be flashing a lot. Righto, left to right, all the dials except for that one. Go! She's awake! Almost there. And breathe. Well, I think that went well. She's gone, at least. Safe at home and as happy in its natural habitat. What was that? That was from the infirmary. Come on! Zoltan, stop! Zoltan had gone mad. Feral, even. The straps that had held him hanging loose from his wrists, clawing and scratching at the guard, smashing his head against the floor. He was like a wild animal. We've got to stop him. But how? You've got the tranquilizer gun. Use it. Zoltan fell still, away from the guard, lying prone on the floor. The guard was unconscious. What just happened? The Sultan was crazed, even by his usual standards. Even when he attacked us before, it was nothing like this. It's as if he's reverted to a wild animal. I couldn't agree with you Miss... What did you say? That, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I don't sound like that. What is it, Scamp? What is... Ah! Oh, the first rogue. The Uteraptor. Oh, I'm afraid I don't know your name. 
this. But you were quite correct. It's talking! How is it talking? He was feral, like a wild animal. In fact, I'd almost say... Sultan! Like a raptor. <laughs> Dinosaur, I can understand. The cybernetics in the dinosaurs could easily produce recognizable human voices. We don't let them do it because it'd be really creepy. And it is really creepy. But a talking dinosaur that turns out to be my brother, that I didn't expect. Your brother? Sultan Clarkson, at your service, miss. As I said, I'm afraid I didn't catch your name. Polly, this is my twin brother, Sultan Clarkson. Although the resemblance is less than it was, he's the owner of this county, the, the curator of this museum, and, and he appears to be a Uteraptor. It is more than appears, little brother. Nice to meet you. Nice? It is an honor. You are one of the first people in creation to hold a conversation with a dinosaur. Zoltan, this is... well, this is... how? Ah, Andrew. Always a little slow. You still haven't worked out the nature of my genesis. Then let me enlighten you. When I tried to bring this beautiful specimen through into the globe chamber, one of us, and I say that only because it would be ungentlemanly to accuse you of gross incompetence, somehow triggered a surge in the quantum field. Rather than shut down the quantum field to bring the raptor through, we extruded it around the raptor as it came out, and then... When the raptor emerged and I made contact with it, the field snapped back into place. But my mind 
and the mind of the dinosaur were both caught in the field as it snapped back, and the resultant backlash caused our minds to change places. <laughs> Now, with the raptor mind, was still unconscious. I decided to leave you to think it was me, so I could remain free in my magnificent new body. Right. Perhaps if I turn this way. Right. Not that way. If I can just squeeze through it, blast it, stupid tail. I adapted effortlessly. And once I had, the rewards far outweighed the cost. But still, I needed time to grow used to this form. And I knew you and Danby would be hunting for it. So while you were out looking for me, I crept into the globe chamber and used voice commands to program it to sporadically release other rogue dinosaurs. That way, you would be kept busy, and I would remain undisturbed while I came to terms with my apotheosis. So you're saying that a quantum surge swapped your mind with the dinosaur? Oh, good. You were listening. But that defies everything we understand about the quantum field. If it had turned you to stone like, like the globe, I'd have understood. But this, it's not just impossible, it, it's inconceivable. It's clearly happened, though, Andrew. And could happen again. Think of it, Andrew. You could have a cyborg dinosaur body. The ultimate predator with the mind of the penultimate intellect. Are you seriously? Hang on. Penultimate? I'm the scientist here. Intellect is more than simple facts and figures. I have the vision. Mine is the supreme mind. Join me, Andrew. Become the ultimate predator. A dinosaur body of your choosing awaits you. Oh, so this is your new business plan? Selling the rich and famous one? The life of the dinosaur? Oh, goodness, no. It's difficult enough for me to share this gift with you. I'm not letting anyone else have it. Why else do you think I waited until everyone else had left before making this generous offer? And what about me? Oh, Miss Polly. My apologies. But you aren't dinosaur material. Then what am I? Lunch! Ah! Extinguisher's empty, let's go! You interfering, that is a mammal! Oh, 
Where are we going? I don't know. I was following you. I was following you. Well, then I guess we were both following Scout. So where's Scout going? We trained him a while ago when there's a rogue cyborg to lure them back to the globe chamber. It was just precautionary. I never thought... So we're going to the globe chamber? But can you reverse it there? Put Zoltan's mind back in his body? No, I have no idea how to do it. It should have quantum locked him and made him a statue like the globe. But if I can trigger another quantum field surge and sustain it, well, if we're lucky, then we should have a stone uteractor. And if we're unlucky? We won't be, will we? Quickly! Remember all those dials from last time? Are you about to tell me not to touch them? Just flick the switch on the panel next to them when I say now. Now! Little pig, little pig, let me go. Oh, it worked. I really wasn't sure. Really not sure. Are you all right? He tried to eat us. Well, maybe the transfer wasn't complete. That couldn't have been Zoltan. He wouldn't, would he? He tried to kill us. Sultan actually tried to kill us. Andrew, should the globe be doing that? Huh? Oh, no, it shouldn't. Why is it flickering? The quantum field's holding the raptor. Well, it looks like it is. So why is it flickering on the globe itself? That would be me. Sultan? But the raptor's still a statue. Yes, it is. But it appears that when you triggered that second surge, pushed my mind out of the Raptor and into the Bioware of the control systems for the globe. Oh, that's not good. On the contrary, it's fantastic. Because from here, I can put my mind into any and every dinosaur I choose. I thought being a dinosaur was my future. But why settle for being a dinosaur when I can be all the dinosaurs. Andrew, you've got to stop this. Zoltansaurs, a whole new species of dino cyborgs with my mind waiting to hatch inside this egg of stone. It's not an egg. Oh, do shut up, Andrew. Actually, no. Carry on. You can make as much noise as you like. Since these words mean all that. What are those? The Mosseraptors! Run! Goodbye, Andrew! Scamp! Scamp leapt forward to protect us, catching the tiny feathered raptors before they could reach us. He did his best, but the velociraptors were too fast and far too vicious. They dug their claws into his fur, flapping their wings to maintain their balance. Scamp tried to pull away from them. I ran to help him. I grabbed him to pull him up, just as he pulled free. He crashed into me, and I fell back against the panel of controls. Polly. I landed on the switch I'd flicked to freeze the Uteraptor. The large raptor immediately unfroze. It then attacked the smaller raptors. Did, did the Uteraptor just bark? It did. It scammed. What? When, when I unfroze it, it must have swapped minds with Scamp. But Scamp's fine. It must be a copy. Overwriting Zoltan's mind rather than changing places with it. Does that make sense? Well, the conditions would have to have been broadly similar to the first time it happened. And I suppose the changes we made to the globe security after the escapes could have altered things. Forget I asked. Let's go! After them! 
would have been nice before they closed the emergency bulkheads. But no matter, we'll improvise. What did you do? I switched on the emergency lockdown, brought down the bulkheads, and, well, hopefully he's trapped in there. Or maybe not. The globe chamber of the castle was gone, smashed apart from the inside. It had been suddenly filled by a dinosaur larger than any creature I had ever seen. It was like the Brontosaurus, but taller, longer, and with a large lump on the top of its head. I could make out the globe beneath it in the ruined chamber, dwarfed by the sheer size of the thing. It bellowed, howling at the sky, before the howling turned into Sultan's insane laughter. And now I am a Brachiosaurus. If you've destroyed that room, we have no idea what will happen. It could be worse for all of us. Oh, don't worry. The machinery is still intact. I wouldn't want to crack the egg before I was ready to hatch it. Don't argue with it. Let's get out of here. Now it's dinner time. Run, my raptors! Run! <laughs> It's the entrance to the old caves. They're not safe. And the cliffs are. Well, no, but... Uh... Caves it is, then. Come on! Scamp! Scamp, what are you doing? Really? You bury yourselves alive just to spite me? Really? I'm hungry! I know. I'm hungry too. But we'll have plenty to eat when the boat comes back. Well, I was always keen on seafood. <laughs> Good lord. I'm amusing. <laughs> Oh, don't you try for the sympathy vote. You're not hurt, and you nearly got us all crushed. It's all right, Scamp. I know you brought the rocks down to save us. Well, all right. You did save us from my brother's psycho-raptors. Where are we? Uh, the Tilly Wind Tunnels. Used to be limestone mines back in the 1800s. Then the Resistance used them during the occupation. They hid down here for two years. It's why the Daleks ended up cleansing the county. Cleansing? Yes. Did they take this off the curriculum at some point? I had it all drummed into me at school. In the third year of the occupation, the Daleks decided enough was enough and dropped some kind of chemical weapon on Dorset. Wiped out all life. They'd got fed up bombing the county and not killing anyone, since they were, well, hidden away safely in these tunnels, which, as Scamp so very ably demonstrated, <laughs> are no longer stable. Sorry. I told you I'm not very good with people. We're trapped in a cave while my brother's psychotic dinosaurs are hunting us, and I'm giving you a history lecture. That's all right. We all cope in different ways. It's not even the dinosaurs. It is just the people thing. What, you mean me? No, I, I didn't mean... I wasn't a... Scamp, I could do with some help here. Whoa! 
We walked deeper into the caves. They were dark, damp, and suspiciously like the kind of caves the doctor enjoyed dragging us into. Andrew said the caves opened out further along the cliffs, hopefully far away from the castle and the Zoltansaurs. Scamp seemed happy enough in the caves. This other exit from these tunnels... Yes? Does Zoltan know about it? Ah, yes, well, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Pretty sure? So we're just hoping he's not waiting at the other end as a T-Rex, then? He won't be a T-Rex. That thing terrifies him. Anyway, Zoltan's got a new toy. With the globe at his disposal, I'd be amazed if he's paying attention to the surrounding area. So, what are we going to do? Once we're out of here, that is. I don't know. Zoltan's always been the one who knew what to do. Clear head, clear vision. He knew what he wanted and how to get it. He made his fortune. Well, we made his fortune. But he always gave me space to work and money to fund it. Sounds like you did all the work and he took all the credit. It wasn't like that. I didn't know what I was doing, just how to do it. He gave me a direction. He always made sure what I was doing was worthwhile, was worth my time. Guided me to do the right thing. He helped me talk to people. Got me, well, got me what I needed. Got me scamp, didn't he, boy? <coughs> Said I should know what real animals were like to look after, so I could see how much my work was improving things. See how much better our cyborg animals were than the real thing. So, gave me a puppy. <laughs> Backfired a bit when Scamp proved to be splendid. But I understand why he did it. You don't need him to tell you what the right thing to do is. You don't understand. The world has ended. What can you rely on when that's happened? I, I used to read the histories and wonder why we were still going, still trying. How could you tell what was right anymore? You know. It's obvious that you know. You just need to trust yourself. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you trust yourself? I... Did you hear something? I thought I'd heard a rumbling sound from the way we'd come, like something large and dangerous pushing its way through a cave too small for it. You what? Uh, nothing. Um, I think. But let's keep moving. So what can we do? We could... No, no, forget it. That wouldn't work. What wouldn't? Trust yourself, Andrew. I do. I don't know how we managed to copy Scamp's mind into the Uteraptor, but if we could do it again and copy his mind into the habitation controls, Bioware, well... Well what? Well, it should overwrite Zoltan's mind in all the other dinosaurs as well. No more Zoltansaurs! That's the idea! But no more Zoltan. There'd be no way to get his mind back after that. Isn't there anything else you can try? I wish there was. But no. I have to end this before it gets any worse. What's that? Oh, now he's an ankylosaur. Oh, of course he's an ankylosaur. Well, what else would I do? I needed to break into this cave somehow. It's a bit... Of course it's a bit tight! You're a reptilian siege engine! Andrew, focus! Just give me your hand and... Run! Running again? Go ahead! Work up the adrenaline! Add some seasoning! And I do adore the chase!
Scamp! Scamp, come! Are you doing what I think you're doing, boy? This entrance really doesn't look safe. Because it isn't. But the ankylosaur just ploughed through the last cave-in. No. No way, not again! It nearly killed us last time! What's the... Oh! I don't like that look in your eyes. We can't outrun it. I think Scamp's got the right idea. You are a terrible influence. I'm not. I was talking to the dog. Come on, then. As the ankylosaur approached the mouth of the cave, we dislodged the rocks around the entrance. The entire tunnel came down around it. Leaving the dinosaur trapped under the rocks, it didn't have any room to move, so it couldn't build up any momentum to dislodge them. The dinosaur was completely trapped. We could hear it muttering in Zoltan's voice through the rubble. You stupid, ignorant children. Andrew, are you all right? We should go. You're right. Of course you are. Thanks, Polly. I'd have thought there'd be seagulls. There were. They died when, well, when everything else did. People, fish, birds, nothing left but plants. It's what made it the ideal testing area before we found the globe. It all looks so peaceful. It is. Normally, I mean. I come out here sometimes to get away. From Zoltan. From everyone. It's, well, it's nice. It's quiet. Just lots and lots of horizon. Is that the boat? That is the boat, yes. Looks like it's on its way back. Back? They're going back to the castle? Yes. It'll be full of Zoltan-controlled raptors and who knows what else. We have to warn them. Well, we can't radio them. All the radios are at the castle. Then all we've got is your plan. We have to put that into action. Before the boat gets back? You don't understand the complexities. You're asking me to undo something which everything I've ever learned says is impossible. But it's not impossible, is it? Andrew, just trust yourself. Oh, so you can't do it. It's hopeless. Would you stop that? Don't look at me like that. It's not going to work on... Well, all right, they might... Right. Fine. I'll give it a go. Good work, Scamp. I wasn't talking to the dog. I thought there weren't any seagulls. There aren't. Pterodactyls! Run! Die! Zoltan, they're people. You're not like this, please. This new form has given me a fresh perspective, Andrew. We surround ourselves with such artificiality. All the false constructs of society. When all that matters is that we can eat. And that we can make more of ourselves. Survival. And here, with the globe and with my new form, that's what I've achieved. Me, Andrew. Me. I am the zenith of human evolution. Can you keep him busy while I try to get to the controls? I'll try. 
The Zenith? Looking like that? I'd have thought you'd choose something bigger. I'm sorry, what? You know, something actually intimidating. I mean, yes, these little raptors have lots of teeth, but they're only two feet tall. Scamp's more intimidating than you are. <coughs> you see, dinosaurs died out because they were no match for a clever Labrador. Andrew, what are you up to? You couldn't even take over a proper dinosaur. Excuse me. Where's the T-Rex? That's what everyone cares about. I know hardly anything about dinosaurs, and even I know about them. They're the most dangerous things ever to walk the Earth. I suppose they're far too frightening for you. Right, that is enough out of you. Dinner time! Scamp! Holy duck! Andrew triggered the surge in the quantum field just as the raptors overwhelmed Scamp. The globe didn't just flash into life this time. It flickered faster and faster, color and stone flashing before our eyes. The raptors all turned to stare at it, entranced. Then it settled to stone as all the control panels went dark. Scamp lay still, no longer breathing, and all the raptors turned to look at Andrew. Scamp! Oh, Scamp, you stupid, stupid, beautiful dog! Oh, Scamp! I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, no, but it wasn't in vain. I think it's worked. What did you do? What did you do? Sultan? Why are you talking through the raptors? They're all I am now. It appears I've gone from everywhere else. No habitation control. No Ankylosaurus. No pterodactyls. Every other dinosaur inside and outside the globe. I'm not them. I can't reach them. So what's in the habitation control now? Who's a good boy? Who's a miraculous good boy? Did the impossible. Save my dog. This all went so much better than I expected. I think you're forgetting something, Andrew. Oh, the raptors weren't affected. You must have been right in the eye of the storm. And you're about to be in the belly of the raptor. Well, several raptors. No! Oh, don't be impatient. We're going to eat you right after. Right at this moment, we all want a piece of Andrew. The Zoltan Raptors were going to kill Andrew. I could hear the pterodactyls overhead. The boat was still out on the ocean. Andrew was going to die unless I did something. I asked myself what the doctor would do. So I threw myself at the controls, pressed some buttons and switches, and then pulled the most significant-looking lever I could find. Zoltan! really are impatient, aren't you? No. No, get away from that lever right now! The coordinates for the T-Rex habitat were still up on the screen next to Andrew's little note. I punched them in and pulled the lever, praying that I was right. And then the T-Rex was there. I was terrified. My legs collapsed from under me. 
It wasn't as big as the Brontosaurus or the Brachiosaurus, but it still towered above me. It was feathered, like the Velociraptors, with jaws wider than my entire body. Its forearms seemed tiny in proportion to the whole, but each was the size of my leg, and the claws at the end of them were as long as my forearms again. It filled the chamber like a wall of teeth and scales and feathers, its tail coiling right behind me and Andrew, and then back in front of us. It was encircling the raptors all by itself, and they were terrified. It was like a flightless dragon, majestic and monstrous and magnificent. The Tyrannosaurus just brought down its head and swept them into its jaws. Nothing was left of them. Andrew and I stared as it circled around the globe, turning to face us, great reptilian eyes blinking. There was something in them. Something more than a predatory lizard intelligence. Something that I thought I recognized. All my fear evaporated as I realized my gamble had worked. It opened its jaws and uttered the most beautiful sound I had ever heard. Who's a good boy? Tyrannosaurus Scamp bent down and lowered its head to our level. I reached up and scratched him just about where I thought his ears would be. He seemed to like that. Good work, Scamp. I knew you'd come through. The boat reached the shore about 20 minutes later. They could see that something had happened to the castle and that the globe chamber was wide open to the air. So they made land on the beach just south of it. The doctor had been intently studying the Leopleurodon they'd recaptured, especially after it started to act like the world's friendliest dog, and barking. The barking had really excited him. As such, he was too engrossed to pay attention to what was on the beach when they made landfall. Ben noticed, though. Um, Doctor, you probably want to see this. What is it, Ben? Oh, oh my giddy aunt! Woo-hoo! <laughs> whoa, 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 scamp! <laughs> That's a good boy. Hello, Ben. I've walked on the moon. I've faced down the Confederate of Brillpaw. And I've been kidnapped by pirates. But there is nothing, nothing in the universe as exhilarating as riding a dinosaur. Tyrannosaurus Scamp was enjoying it too. Andrew had decided against the ride, so it was just me and T-Scamp riding up and down the beach when Ben, the doctor and the others got back. We pulled up alongside the boat and T-Scamp lowered his head so I could get down. I could see Ben tensing up at T-Scamp's proximity, so I stayed where I was and scratched the dinosaur's head for a bit. It's all right, Ben. Scamp's perfectly friendly, aren't you, Scamp? Scamp? <laughs> oh, Ben, wait till I tell you what's been going on here. Yeah, I can't wait, Duchess. The explanation took a while, even with Andrew helping. After that, the doctor concluded that it was time for us to be going. I hadn't even realised I was speaking until I asked the question. Can Tyrannosaurus Scamp come? Oh. <coughs> oh, well, it, it's certainly a tempting notion. Well, you can't be serious, Doctor. But, but he wouldn't fit through the TARDIS doors, Polly. No, no, no. I, I'm afraid Scamp will have to stay here with Dr. Clarkson. 
He did say we could ride him back to the TARDIS, though. He seemed quite excited at the prospect. Even Ben enjoyed the ride back. Andrew followed in the jeep. When we arrived, the Doctor and Ben went straight into the TARDIS. I waited. Are they loitering inside that tiny blue box for a reason? Yes. Oh, well, that's good then. You know, we've actually completed the project. We have. Domesticated dinosaurs. They don't get much more domesticated than Scamp. And, well, all of the dinosaurs in the globe are him too now. Which means I've finished everything Zoltan guided me towards. No more vision. No more guidance. Are you all right? He was your brother. He was. But at the end, all that zenith of evolution, I didn't recognize him. I think as much as he took on the form of those creatures, something of them stayed behind. And that's that. I'll find my own way. Somehow. It'll be fine, I'm sure. Give me time. Why didn't you want to ride over? He's my dog. It'd be weird, wouldn't it, boy? <laughs> Good point. I'm going to miss you, you know. And he'll miss you. Oh, oh quite. I'll miss you too. I hugged him. He didn't seem to know how to respond. It was one of the many things he would learn to understand for himself, which was just as well, because then I stepped into the tiny blue box and it disappeared. boy. Let's head home. Hello, I'm Annika Wills, and I'm playing Polly, of course. And I'm Elliot Chapman, and I'm, I'm being greedy. I'm playing Ben, as always, uh, but also Andrew Clarkson and Zoltan Clarkson. Brilliant name, that. <laughs> I think you've done incredibly oh, well. And, um, and what's so lovely is it's, it's when the voice, the Zoltan's voice, gets... Deep and exciting. When you're doing it yourself, it's very exciting. When when your voice is, becomes other than you, you know, that, that's really and only exciting. only in something like Doctor Who are you ever called upon to do something like that. I was joking with the writer, Julian, and said, you know, usually I play lawyers or, or doctors <laughs> or really... Na and so if you get something like this, the... the, um, the it's a pleasure for an actor to feel unleashed and, and, and not having to care, and you can 
relish it. Obviously, yeah. you don't want to go too over the top, but that's well, when a good director says, hang on there. I think you're allowed to go totally over the top in these things. That's what's such fun, you know. You know, you can't overdo it, I no, think. No, there was a point after the first time... You haven't I, been. No, no. There, there was a point after the first take and there was a silence. I went, oh, my God, they're all in there saying, he's not really going to do it like that, is he? <laughs> no, they're all hoping he will. All right, Doctor. Splendid. Well, we'll be back before you know it. Try not to let Dr. Clarkson lose any more dinosaurs. Hi, I'm Ian Atkins. I am the producer of the Doctor Who Companion Chronicles for Big Finish, and most specifically today's uh, The Curator's Egg. The Companion Chronicles range is incredibly varied as a form and, and it enables you to do all sorts of things. We've had really sort of well, dark horror, we've had comedy, we've had we've had musical episodes and so on. With this one, what I wanted to do is, and right from the off, we really wanted to kind of push down on the accelerator and really almost go for a new series vibe of, of, you know, to use the quote, lots of running. It struck me that we'd never really done dinosaurs at Big Finish and it's, I think that's the important thing with Big Finish is that we don't just sit back and start pulling stuff off shelves and we're always moving forward and with this it was a case of, right, let's, let's go for a sort of sub-Jurassic Park feel and, and Julian beautifully kind of escalates it as, as you get with, I think, all good action movies, you know, you start comparatively small and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. I think what is really nice is that you've, you've got Polly and Andrew in, in the middle of this who, who give it a human interest. In early draft of this, it was a lot more, the dialogue was a lot more quippy. Um, and while that can, or it does work in a kind of modern Hollywood environment, I think when you've got characters you love so much, you really don't want them just standing there being sort of joke machines. You really want to explore the feelings of what they're going through and of course the problem with that is when something is so intense like this and lots of dinosaurs running I think if you try and explore it too much it starts getting very self-aware and everything has to stop while they're talking about it so Julian kind of has these lovely little beats where you have a little moment of quiet where you know two characters can just talk about what they're going through now now with some cases that can just be that you've you've met someone in the office and you're kind of interested with this it can be you know you happen to be chased by a, a velociraptor but you, you still get those quiet moments where people get to know each other. And it's um, I think that's an important thing, certainly for me with all storytelling, but certainly with what Big Finish do with Doctor Who, it's able to, no matter how big the story, never ever forget that there's a, there's a people component in there and to do something with it. I'm Julian Richards, and I am the writer of The Curator's Egg. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the brief brief that I got um, was something dinosaur related and I got this brief while I was on holiday with my family in Dorset on the Jurassic Coast. The only real pitch I'd, I'd put to Julian or the requirements were obviously it was going to be Bell and Polly uh, Second Doctor era but ideally if he could kind of move um, Ben and the Doctor away a bit so that we really focused on Polly and actually giving a, a 1960s female Doctor companion something that actually was quite action, you know, there's be a lot of scares in there for her, but actually showing that, yeah, she could stand up to it. And I know sometimes, I mean, Polly's regarded as one of the, the screaming companions when possibly in that time, that was how they were going to write her. But I think with the, the slightly more modern sensibilities and also just knowing how talented some of these actors are and what they can carry, it enables us to actually write them a lot stronger, I think. So it was a case of really pushing Polly into an area where you could just show the strength. But otherwise, I'd said, yeah, dinosaurs, please, and lots of them. Got an email in the morning saying, can you do something with dinosaurs? 
um, which briefly talked about the idea of there being some kind of egg from which they come forth, hence the curator's egg in the title. And then the rest of the day I spent up at Dalston, near Swanage, at Dalston Castle, with the Great Stone Globe down by the coast, and walking along the clifftops, and thinking, yeah, this is this is where this has to happen, really, isn't it? it it's got to be the globe to explain why there's a massive stone thing here. It's got to be along these, they're going to go into the Tillywoom Caves, Something particularly poignant for me, because not only did I live in that part of Dorset, but also because we filmed um, the uh, Underwater Menace. We filmed a part of that there, absolutely in that really? part of... Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, so, so me and Doctor Who have a long history of, of Dorset and, that, and those, those um, <laughs> you know, those um, caves... Yeah, the caves. Oh. They suspiciously like the kind of caves the doctor liked to take us into, <laughs> which he did. <laughs> you don't think... Oh, are we finally home? What? Don't know about that, Duchess. Well, what do we know happens in the future to Dorset? And the one concrete thing that we have that happens to the south coast of England is a Dalek invasion. So I thought, OK, something's got to happen afterwards. Society has to rebuild. We've touched on it in other big finish stuff with an earthly child and we've touched on it in novel ranges with Legacy of the Daleks um, but we've not looked outside London really let's see how the rest of the country fared and then that's where it all grew from at this point I kind of paid a bit more attention for unexpected source material to uh, Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep the short story by Philip K. Dick where after this great catastrophic event all of the animals in the world have been wiped out and so Android animals are sold. And I thought, well, the logical step after that, once you've started rebuilding society, and there's always going to be an overclass who want the luxuries before the underclass have everything else. So they're going to want animals. And I thought, well, they're going to get bored of animals eventually because they know them all. What are they going to do next? They've already got this technology to clone presumably extinct species in some form, and they're combining it with robotics and cybernetics so that the animals don't need walking or feeding or to go to the loo or anything like that. Obviously, Dinosaurs, because rich people will pay for dinosaurs, and it's the kind of thing that a lunatic billionaire would feed money into when he has a scientist who can do it. Oh, so this is your new business plan? Selling the rich and famous one, the life of the dinosaur? Hello, I'm Russell McGee, the sound designer of The Curator's Egg. Let me start by saying that my inner five-year-old was screaming for joy at the prospect of sound designing a story with not one but eight species of dinosaurs in it. That said, this was also the most challenging story that I have sound designed for Big Finish to date. This story is unique in that instead of one big bad, you are designing eight monsters, a character with what I termed multiple vocal disorder, and a little dog too. Good lord, I'm amusing! <laughs> Now, you might wonder, what's the big deal about having a dog in a story? Well, think of it this way. That dog has to have a voice or bark that is as distinct as any individual actor. And, and I didn't have access to a dog. 
My wife and I have three cats, but no pooch. I will freely admit that I had to purchase a few sound effects libraries to be able to complete the sound design. Now, a couple fun things that I may share with you. The wings of the pterodactyls are a combination of a few separate sounds. Imagine, if you will, a madman in a long coat flapping the coat like wings in a sound booth. Another sound that you will hear is any time the pterodactyl is in a panic, or trying to rapidly fly away, that sound effect was created by waving a pair of gloves rapidly against one another. The sound of the gloves also had to be pitched down to match the sound of the madman waving the coat. Let me also lift the curtain on another set of dinosaur sound effects. The roar of the ankylosaur is actually the growl of an Indian elephant that I pitched down. Now Zoltan, the character with multiple vocal disorder, is so dubbed by myself because he is almost every dinosaur in the story at one point or another. Not to mention also speaking through the computer. But why settle for being a dinosaur when I can be... All the dinosaurs! This meant that in addition to each dinosaur roar needing to sound distinct, Zoltan's voice had to sound like it was speaking through each of those dinosaurs. For example, when he was speaking through the Brachiosaurus, I not only changed the pitch of Zoltan's voice, but I had to add in reverb and a few other adjustments to make it sound like his voice was being heard through a very long, hollow neck, almost like his voice was being heard through a tunnel. It bellowed, howling at the sky, before the howling turned into Sultan's insane laughter. And now I am a Brachiosaurus! In the case of the raptors, I doubled Zoltan's voice and pitched down the second layer, which created a voice effect that almost sounds like a Dinobot from the Transformers, fitting for cyborg dinosaurs. Zoltan Clarkson, at your service, miss. Another instance where I used the doubling effect was when Scamp became the Tyrannosaurus, as I had to create a roar that was also a bark. This meant that I had to take the sound effect of the Tyrannosaurus and time shift it so that it would match Scamp's bark. I then layered the bark under the new roar, and voila, Tyrannosaurus Scamp was born. That's a good boy. Let me wrap up by saying that creating Tyrannosaurus Scamp hit me in the feels on two counts. One, my favorite dinosaur, like most children, was the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And two, the name of my first dog, a German Shepherd, was Rex. So in my mind, Rex lives on in Tyrannosaurus Scamp. Where are we then? Where are we? Well, we're in England, yes. Uh, definitely England. I knew it. Oh, it's always lovely to, when phrase comes in. It's always lovely. I, I think we all of us treasure, um, we old companions treasure our moments when we meet up with each other, you know, because in a way they're becoming kind of few and far between. We treasure and precious moments. And so for me to see phrase or, is always a joy. It's a, mm. it's a real joy. And I, 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 he's, it's family. Mm. It's family. 
as a jobbing yeah. actor, I usually will meet up with actors for one thing and never see them again. Yeah. So to be a part of something where I get to see, and it's lovely because it's the two of us or the three of us, depending on which doctor we're, we're with, yeah. and to, to, to reunite with the same people, and Lisa, yourself, and, and if David Richardson's here, it, it is, it's fab it's really yeah. nice. You go, oh, yeah. I'm going to be seeing yeah. Annika and Fraser yeah. again, and that's lovely. And there isn't that kind of nervousness if you know that you're stepping into you know a, a meeting no it's all it's all a joy the whole thing is a joy Fraser yeah just try and keep slightly steadier on your chair because we're getting a few creeps here and there if oh. that's possible that would be super that was my knee ah quite an arctic storm blowing out there hmm the doctor said gesturing for me to help him come along Polly my child with my cloak hey Doctor, you've got the most fantastic wardrobe. The doctor gave me a look. Yeah, that was kind of strange. There we are, you know, a nook of the north in her furry mm. coat and that bit that we know very well because we redid that for one of our stories here. Yes. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, it was, no, no, uh, no, it was, Una, it was Una McCormack, Una. yeah, Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was thrilled for you because yeah, it, it was... came up on Christmas Day and yes. um, my wife and I, we put on yeah. the television because it's Christmas Day and it's Doctor yeah. Who. And yeah. I had no idea they were going to show footage of you and Mike, and obviously William Hartnell. Yeah. So I had a. It's really strange because you get to know someone, and even though you know this is a, another time before, long before I knew Annika, there was that moment of, oh, it's Annika, and she's on telly. She's on telly, being watched by millions right now because of the Tenth Planet. It was great. You know what was really good is because so my son and I were so we watched the first three minutes. I've been warned, just you know, just watch the first three minutes if you haven't got time. Mm. So because it's my son and we both go coo and he says right are you doing the spuds or am I doing the spuds and we're off doing our Christmas supper you I know, think so I was more excited want, you know. than you were <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I didn't have time to go wee hee you know no